we are recording okay hi anya welcome to the monday meeting hi thank you for having me how are you i'm good i'm good i was uh just thinking this is probably the best part of my day today <laughs> little chill moment having a conversation oh, just talking and catching up and not dealing with all the chaos it's it this is refre- a startup which this is refreshing we're gonna get into yeah <laughs> <laughs> so give us a short little introduction kind of um who you are where you come from you know all of that kind of stuff Sure. So, um, Anya Varga, um, I am, um, chief people officer for air wellness. Um, a little bit about me. I was born and raised in the Caribbean. So I'm originally from Trinidad, um, which I think actually makes me kind of interesting for multiple reasons. Cause I am, um, a, min- a minority within that, um, population. Um, and I think that that has largely shaped who I am in many ways. Um, grew up in Trinidad uh, until the age of 19 when um, I decided to come to the U.S. for school um, and uh, never left. So I've been here since. Um, obviously, I go home from time to time, but this now, I guess, is home. That's the first time I've ever said that out loud, actually. This I know. Is, this I know. I feel the same home. way. I'm, I'm like... I have two homes, you know, like, I'm like, oh, I'll be going home in the summer. And then I'm like, wait, but this is also home. Like, yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. So I've now been in the U.S. for uh, probably about 22 years or so. Um, I'd have to actually do the math. And, you know, one thing about me is I don't do head math. Um, (laughs) So, uh, but I've probably been here around 22 years or so now. So, Wow. That's crazy. So where did you go to school? Um, I started at the University of Tampa. Um, I went there because that was just where everybody I knew was going um, and started out there. But after uh, two years, I transitioned over to the Academy of Design, also in Tampa, where I studied graphic design, um, which is so like not the path I went on. Yeah, uh, but funny, I, yeah. But I think um, probably explains a lot about who I am as a professional and particularly as an HR professional is that I have this sort of creative background to me, um, but that I've used um, for different reasons and, and in different ways. Um, so yeah. yeah, so that's a bit about where I went to school. And then um, I moved to Boston when I was, what, 20, probably 20, 21, around that age, um, and got into an architectural firm um, working in their marketing department. So I started, I started in marketing. Um, which, okay. Which makes sense, given... Makes more sense. Makes, makes sense, sense, given my education, <laughs> but it, was a, it, was a, it wasn't a small business. It was probably about 400 employees in oh, wow. four or five states. Um, and um, loved what I did there. Um, But the head of HR at the time, she literally sat in the cube next to me. And I would listen to what she was doing all day. And I was like, that just sounds more interesting than what I'm doing. Because I was putting together RFPs and, you know, responding to, um, you know, various requests within the marketing world. But I just loved listening to what she was doing because she was more with people. I was more mm-hmm. in, you know, Word documents and PowerPoints and all of that. And while I loved that, she was with people. And I just, I was like, I want to do that. that. That's interesting. And eventually, over time, she left. 
and we had a gap uh, for a moment where we didn't have anybody in HR. And so I said, well, I'll help. Um, and that's I'll jump in. literally my first foray in the world of HR was um, sort of moonlighting on the side of my marketing job, helping out however I could with recruiting or with training initiatives or just, I mean, pretty much a little bit of everything because we were small enough that I was able to kind of get my hands um, dirty in, in multiple places. Um, as happens to me, as, ha as has happened to me on multiple occasions, the weather in Boston scared me south. <laughs> because again, I'm from the islands. <laughs> Don't put an island girl in cold weather for too long. Um, and I moved to South Florida um, probably in 20, 2002, 2003. It was shortly after 9-11, I remember that. And um, I met, I was looking, trying to decide what to do with my life. I knew I had an interest in HR, but I still loved being a creative. And I met a, um, a guy at an event and he said to me that he owns a creative staffing agency. And I had no idea that that was a thing. Like, yeah. who, who knows? Like, where, where do creative people find jobs? I have no idea. And he said to me, you know, why don't you come um, shadow me for a day and see what you think? And so I did. Um, he didn't pay me. Um, or anything like that. I, I went to his full day of interviews um, where he was interviewing and testing art directors and graphic designers and co copywriters and all of that. And I just loved it. I just thought, this is it. This is what I need to do with my life. It combines the, you know, my love of people and learning about people. I love to learn about people with my love for the arts. And I always had a better... I was always a better critic than artist. <laughs> so I had, a, I had a good eye, but I didn't actually want to create myself. Um, yeah. And that's, that's how I really got into my first, I would say, real job in the field of HR was through creative recruiting. Um, gotcha. And a, a little firm here in Fort Lauderdale called iCreatives that's still around. Um, Stephen Cohen still owns it. He and I still talk from time to time. Um, I still plan on retiring with him maybe one day. <laughs> so um, what, were you, what were you doing in your day-to-day -day when you were there? I had the coolest job, Justine. I would fly all over the country to major cities with, get this, two carry-on bags full of Mac computers because I would do these full day recruiting events where I would have creatives coming to um, show me their portfolios, um, show me their, their, their technical skills on the computers, take little um, tests that we had set up for them in Photoshop and Illustrator and InDesign and all this stuff. And I would just meet people all day and interview people. That's and then so cool. It was the coolest job. I was in New York one day. I was in LA one day, San Francisco one day. This is also how I met my husband, by the way, <laughs> was on what? one of those trips. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I did that probably for probably about two years. I don't know. I haven't looked at my resume in a long time. It was probably about two years that I did that. Um, and I loved it. It was the most fun job I've ever had. That sounds so fun. As somebody who also 
which you know I also like love to meet people and get to know people and I'm always like give me the information about you that sounds like the coolest job and I had no idea that was even a thing you would love it you would love yeah you would totally love it it's totally up your alley as well it's such a nice job as well for like somebody coming um you know fresh out of school trying to figure out what they want to do with their life you know I wasn't married or anything like that just fly all over the world and meet incredible creative people who 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 doesn't want that who would like who would hate that I don't understand like who could hate that yeah (laughs) that sounds amazing I love that usually when people start their um career journeys well the, the people that I've spoken to at least it's a lot of like well I met this person and then later on down the line I, you know, they reach back out and that's how I got this job. And I'm sure that that's going to happen in your career path. And I know that it's happened in your career path, but, but for the beginning when you were just like, well, I'm just going to volunteer for this job because it sounds cool. I think that's, that's awesome. Like I haven't heard that before. And it's yeah. Very Anya. (laughs) It was was absolutely um, the right decision. And um, I think just a wonderful way to launch my career. So lots of gratitude. Yeah. And to put yourself out there, not to be, not to be scared of like, well, you know, I might not be good at it. I might fail. I might, whatever. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to try it. You know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've always, I've always, uh, I'm a, I've always been a risk taker. I've always, um, colored a little outside of the lines. Um, I'll say that that's something about my personality that is, um, people would probably, um, sort of all notice about me or all say about me. Um, and, uh, that was, yeah, that's how I got into this world really. Yeah. And then what? So you were there for two I was there for about two years. years. Yep, I was there for about two years, and then I was in New York for work, and I got um, I got stuck in New York because of a hurricane, and uh, met my husband um, that night, and everything accelerated really, really quickly, and um, within I think about three months, I was moving to New York. Um, to be with Chris, yeah. To be with Chris, exactly. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I want to stay in this field. Um, who's doing this at a really big professional level? Because remember, that was startup. Um, so I wanted to find, I wanted to learn how to, um, you know, sharpen my skills and have better tools and so on. And so I found the creative group. Um, with Robert Half. Um, it's one of their, Robert Half's uh, legs. And I interviewed and they hired me and they said, but you need to be here in seven days. And I said, okay. Oh my gosh. I said, okay. <laughs> and I called my mom and I told her I'm moving to New York. And she said, that's on you. You're crazy. <laughs> Figure it out. And like basically said, Figure it out. And so, yeah. and so I did. So I packed my bag up, my, 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 my house up. Um, and with my dog, I drove to New York um, by myself. And I got an apartment. Chris helped me find an apartment. And I moved in and I started about a week later. It's <laughs> amazing. At the creative group. And I didn't realize that I could do sales. Um, at that point and I, that was a part of the job. So the job at creative group was, um, I don't remember exactly my title, but basically what the job was, was we would rotate the desk. So one week I would be selling. So I would be calling to agencies, trying to get jobs to fill, um, and different companies to see what sort of support do they need in their creative department? Can I get temps in? Can I get full-time employees in? 
Then the next week I would be interviewing candidates and meeting candidates and and so we rotated the desk. That's a really cool system because you kind of get to learn every aspect of a staffing job. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. that, that was when I learned I was good at sales because while I was hired for the temp division of the creative group, there was no permanent placement division at the time. I actually ended up creating a permanent placement division because I ended up sticking so many of my um, of my recruits into positions that were hired permanently that I ended up building this huge book of business with permanent placement. So I kind of fell, I kind of, I kind of developed that. Um, and, um, I made a ton of money, um, (laughs) doing it. I loved it. It was so much fun for my age, made a ton of money. Um, and I was loving it and I was having a ton of fun, but I was really struggling with the fact that I wasn't getting to see my candidate success. I would place them and then I, and then I wouldn't hear from them again. And that was yeah. bothering me because I was like, well, but wait, wait, what happened to clients? Yeah, what? I 100%, I 100% feel that. I feel like with, so um, I, I think I mentioned it on the podcast, but I work at a temporary staffing agency that has a sister company in event production. So a lot of what we do is like temporary staffing for events and stuff. And then when COVID hit, we started doing um, staffing for different like urgent care for different COVID testing site yeah. locations. And I am doing, this is a small women owned business. So it's, I'm the lead staffing coordinator, but I'm the only staffing coordinator other than the person who owned the company who yeah. was doing all of it by herself beforehand. Yep. Um, And it's so rough to like interview people, call them, set up their interviews, you know, get them on site and then they get hired. And I'm like, it's nice talking to you for half a minute. Yeah. Like, bye. Have a nice life. You know, I get really vested in people. I know. Yeah. I love using our regular people for our our smaller staff, like our smaller event stuff. Cause I'm like, Oh, I get to know them. And you know, they're all, we're always talking because we're always hiring them. But the ones that I'm like, okay, off you go into the world, you know, it's, it's sad. I totally, I totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. So one of my big clients back then was Martha Stewart living Omnimedia. Um, and I, I placed a ton of creatives in the design center, um, in Starrett Lehigh building in New York. And I just, um, I decided that I wanted to work there. (laughs) And so I placed myself, set your mind to it. I placed myself. Beautiful. They got a fee and everything for the creative group. Got a fee and everything. <laughs> they had a creative. Uh, they came to me looking for a head of creative recruiting, and I said, "Well, hire me." And they ended up taking me. It was you know some negotiation with the creative group. I'm sure, and that all happened behind you know behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, but that's how I ended up with Martha Stewart. Was I said I want the job, and they took me. So. I ended up being, um, you know, working at the, the design center in, um, in, in Manhattan. Um, at the time, Martha Stewart had two offices in the city. So there was the um, sort of administrative back office uh, support, which was uh, in Midtown. And then there was the large creative center, which was more downtown. Well, actually, it was more in like the Chelsea meatpacking kind of district. And I was the only person in HR at that location, but I was recruiting. I wasn't an HR person. I was a recruiter. Now, 
if you've ever worked with creatives, <laughs> mm, so, we're so fun. <laughs> it is important to have HR around <laughs> because, um, you know, there's passion and there's emotion and there's, you know, just situations that come up that you don't necessarily see in an IT department or a finance department. It's just <laughs> slightly more dramatic, slightly more colorful. And so by sort of process of elimination, I guess, I ended up being taking on a lot of HR responsibility at that um, location because I was the only person there. Um, the yeah. rest of the HR team was up at the corporate office. So um, I did not, I never moved into the role of HR, but I did the work of HR. Um, so this is a question that I have. You were okay with taking on the extra responsibilities of being the HR person without really being the HR person, without getting the pay, without like... And is that something that at the time you were like, I'm okay with this because this is going to better my career? Were you just like, I'm just doing this because nobody else is doing it? You know, I feel like there's that weird stage sometimes where you're like taking on more jobs, I guess in the, like, A, it's for, it's good for your resume and B, you know, it looks good for the company, but you're like, I'm putting in a lot more work than I thought I was going to, you know, yeah. like, yeah. You know, Justine, I think it's something I've kind of always done in my career, but I don't know that it, it's been deliberately because if I do this, I'm going to get that. Mm. For me, it's always been, I love a challenge. Love. I okay. love it. And, and, and tell, don't tell me I can't do something because then I'm really going to do it. And so yeah. <laughs> if for me, it's been more about, I want to help. I want to support. I want to see my business be successful. I want to see people around me be successful. And you know, the, the byproduct always has been that I get recognized and I get promoted and I get incentivized and what have you, but I've never gone into it with that mindset. I've always gone into the mindset with, into it with the mindset of, I want to help. I want to learn. I want to solve and I want to drive. I'm a driver. That's the other thing. I'm a big driver. So like, I don't like, like I told you, I sit in traffic, um, I have this, uh, sorry, no, I, I have this commute that I do and I'm good with it. I'm fine with my commute. It's 45 minutes to an hour each way. If I'm moving, if I'm sitting in traffic, I start to go crazy because <laughs> I have this personality where I just always need to be moving forward. And so Things I think that's happening. Right. I think yeah. that's, that's how it's happened. Um, and I, I'm, you know, as I tell my story, you'll hear that it's happened multiple times. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I never went into it for that reason. I always did yeah. it just because that's, you know, I'm, that's my drive. That's my passion. That's my desire to help out and, and see success. Mm. Okay. Interesting. So what happened after you started taking on all of these HR roles? Well, then I had a baby. So okay. <laughs> slight spring in the plans. Detour. Detour. <laughs> So I said, that's it. I'm done with being a professional. I'm going to go home and be a mom. And so I resigned. And the plan was uh, to be a stay-at-home mom and just do that. And um, my son was born. And I think he was about three or four weeks old when I said, love you, can't do this. <laughs> 
I was going stir crazy. You were gonna, I thought you were going to say months and you went, you said weeks and I, <laughs> no, no, I think, you know, Chris was about to divorce me. I was redecorating the house daily. It was just not a good time. So I said, I got to go back to work. So, um, I found, um, a position at Tory Burch. Um, they were looking for an HR recruiting kind of hybrid kind of role. They were very much in their early days. I think they probably had about 20, 25 stores at the time, max. Um, we were just starting to talk about Asia and international expansion. And so I went over to Tory Birch and um, loved it, was having just the best time. Um, again, a startup. Um, so, you know, getting my hands wherever I could get them. And I was offered the position at your Tory Birch was tiny at the time. So I was offered the head of HR position at Tory Birch at the same time that I got a call from Louis Vuitton. And that was the hardest decision of my life, Justine, because I was having so much fun at Tory. I had this great opportunity on the table. Um, I was having success, so it wasn't, you know, like I was, you know, like there was something that I needed yeah, to Yeah, you weren't stagnant or, Not yeah, all. there was no reason for you to leave. Not at all. But then I thought I had the same sort of reaction as, as I did earlier in my career was when I went from creative, from, from iCreatives to the creative group was I wanted to learn how to professionalize what I was doing because I felt as though I didn't have that experience and I, and you know, when a, a company like Louis Vuitton calls, you listen, right? You listen, yeah, you pick up the phone. <laughs> yeah, you pick up the phone. And I remember telling the recruiter, I'm like, are you sure they want to hire? Are you sure they're interested in it? Are you sure? Like Stephanie said the same thing. <laughs> she said the same thing. She was like, wait, but like, I work for Bath and Body Works and I like put the little air diffuser things. Like, what, are you, what do you mean you want to hire me? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, you know, yeah. I'm very down to earth and I'm very sort of casual and I just don't think that they're going to be like that. And I just had the shock of my life when I went in, the recruiter convinced me, she's like, no, just go meet them, see what you think. And I went in and everybody that I met was just so welcoming and lovely and smart and on top of their game. And I just thought to myself, gosh, if I want to professionalize what I do, I'm, I'm this, like, I need to do this. And that's how I ended up at Louis Vuitton. So, and what did they hire you for? So I joined as an HR manager, um, okay. and it was a little vague at the time what I was going to be doing. But I've always been okay with ambiguity. So um, I joined uh, initially supporting the corporate team in New York uh, okay. for recruiting and anything HR related, and then I was given Canada as well. And then I was given the South also. So I suddenly had this massive, massive job and um, I was having a lot of fun with it. And, and I think, you know, having success and Louis Vuitton started to reorganize and reshape their regions and their structure and what have you. And they came to me and said, would you be willing to move to Florida to focus on the South, on the Southern region? Um, and I said no for about six months, um, until your father convinced me, <laughs> <laughs> your father, 
your yeah. father convinced me that I should do it. Um, I know I can't have him on this podcast. It's women only. And like <laughs> half of it, I'm like, I limited myself so much because, you know, he has such a career journey. But he does have I a know, it's like story. Stephanie mentions him, you mention him. Everybody's going to be like, these people. <laughs> Everybody knows my dad. <laughs> yes. And, and he's been responsible for a lot of our success as well. So, um, yeah. so nothing but, but, you know, crazy love for him. Um, but yeah, he's how I ended up in South Florida. So moved down here in, I think 2011. What year are we in? 2021? Yeah, I think it was like 2011. We're 2022. Are we in 2022, Justine? Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's been that kind of year. I think we moved here in 2011. So that would be, I don't know if it was the same year that we moved here and he took over the Southeast, but... No, I, I think, think you guys had moved here. I think you guys had moved here a year Maybe or two before. Yeah, I think I you no guys moved here in, two, yeah. in 08. Yeah, you were really little at the time. Um, yeah, so I moved down here and, um, you know, I was promoted to HR director. Um, and I had to ask for that. That's something that I actually think is important to, to mention because um, I wasn't just given that title. Um, I raised my hand and said... Um, that, you know, my, my job scope has changed significantly. The complexity of what you're asking me to do has changed significantly. At the time we were taking over the Caribbean and South America, um, actually it was Latin America cause we had uh, Central America as well. Um, and that was, I would say, uh, one time in my life that I said, hang on, like, mm-hmm. it, I deserve I deserve to be acknowledged and recognized. And and so I I called my boss. I'll never forget. I was sitting outside of Aventura Mall. (laughs) And I called him and I said, look, I think we need to have this discussion. And we had a very reasonable discussion. And he called me probably 24 to 48 hours later and promoted me. Um, So that was my first time asking to be um, recognized for my above and beyond. Yeah. Which I I think... So I have a question. Yeah. Um, at what point did you start managing other people? Like, at what point did you start having a team? Yep. Um, so my team, my first team was at Louis Vuitton. Uh, well, hang on. That's not true. I had a direct report at Martha Stewart as well. Um, my first team member was a recruiter who I'm still friendly with. She lives out in Colorado now. Actually, I think she works in the cannabis industry too. (laughs) Amazing. Funny. Um, but my first like team of more than one person was at Louis Vuitton, um, when my region kept growing and growing and growing, um, we brought in a recruiter also still in touch with her. She's now a a head of HR in a company at a company in Boca and I hired a head of employee relations. That was my first time hiring somebody that had no experience doing the job. Um, so I hired somebody out of law school. Um, that uh, wanted to be in HR, um, but had only worked, I think she had a year or two um, legal experience at Chanel, but she wasn't in HR, she was in the legal department. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to pivot to HR and I said, come. And um, she today is, I think she's a VP of HR at Royal Caribbean now. Um, So did she go with you to? No, no. Okay. No, no, no. We had some downsizing over time and she ended up leaving us. And, um, but she and I are actually still in touch to this day. And she just happened to also end up in the cruise industry. In the cruise industry. And yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert, guys. Anya ends up in the cruise industry. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> For a hot minute. Yeah. 
Well, I think six years is a little longer than a hot minute, but yeah, I was there six for... Six years? I think it was six years, yeah. Five or six years I was in the cruise industry. Oh, that's right, because I forgot you stayed. I, for, I totally zapped on that. Yep. If yep. I had him, like, dad leaves, I leaves. <laughs> yeah, nope, no, 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 I stayed longer. Um, so yeah, that was my first time having a team at Louis Vuitton. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and I probably made a ton of mistakes back then, but they, they still talk to me, so... <laughs> well, you could, yeah, you couldn't have messed up that bad. You kept the job and you kept the, the good relationships, so I mean... Yeah, yeah, so I was with LV for um, eight years and starting to just feel a little stagnant and okay. like I can do this job with my eyes closed now. Um, and your dad had gone to Starboard Cruise Services um, which is a, a, a division of LVMH or one of the LVMH companies. And um, again, he convinced me <laughs> to, <laughs> to come with him. <laughs> and that's how I ended up at Starboard. And the reason I did that was because, again, I was feeling stagnant. I wanted a new challenge. I wanted a new experience. But I could not think of a more challenging opportunity in the South Florida region at that time than going into not only the cruise business, because we weren't a cruise ship, um, yeah. but cruise retail, which is very, very specific, very, very niche. Um, and I just thought that, uh, that And a whole bunch of different cruise lines. Like you guys weren't just working cruise retail for one cruise line. No. It was cruise retail for like four huge cruise ships. No, by, the, by like, the time I left. We, I don't even know how many. By the time I left, we had 12. So, you know, and I, we had a population of over 2,000 employees at sea, um, about 500 in the corporate offices, um, truly one of the most complex businesses um, that I've ever experienced. Um, but I met the most incredible people along the way. And, and you know, th that was the other thing. It was one of the few corporate um, US-based offices for LVMH. So when you work in Louis Vuitton, a lot of the direction is coming from Paris. And so you're executing and implementing. But I, I, I like to create, I like to design. So that was the other reason I wanted to go to Starboard was because I wanted to create something. Um, without moving to Paris, yeah. Without moving to Paris, exactly. And so, and yeah. that is absolutely what I got at Starboard was <laughs> the opportunity to create things, um, you know, take what had been done and bring the best elements forward for the future um, and, 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 and really just design. And, and it was a ton of fun, a ton of fun. Um, yeah. But at, at that point, at that point I had a team. The starboard was huge. Yeah, at that point, I had a team of about four or five um, on my team, my direct reports. Yeah. And then the head of HR left. And um, I was asked to step up and help out. So I wasn't offered the job. I was literally asked to step up and help out, help out and I said, of course, um, as I always have. And for me, it's yeah. always a, a new opportunity to learn something new. That's for me. Like, I, mm -hmm. like learning all day long, that, that, that's what I love. And so I made a ton of mistakes. I remember sitting in like my first 401k meeting like, what the hell are we talking about here? <laughs> Where are all the people? The people problems. Right. <laughs> 
But I learned and, you know, we had a series of incredible um, third-party consultant support uh, systems that really helped me. Um, over time, I convinced the CEO to get me a coach um, to help elevate my status um, and my, my confidence more than anything, my confidence with the leadership team um, and put a bit more structure around my thought process. And meanwhile, I'm looking along with external search firms to hire a head of HR. Wow. And that went on, Justine, for three years. You stayed as like interim for three years. For three years I did that. You're too nice. I think I would have flipped it. <laughs> well, you know, look, I was promoted along the way. I wasn't still a director. I was promoted to senior okay. director. Then I was promoted to VP. Like they were definitely... Baby steps. Yeah, they yeah. were definitely recognizing me along the way, but they were still saying, you need a boss. <laughs> and I was... Yeah, which... Uh, okay. I agreed with them. I actually agreed with them because... Again, I'm always looking to professionalize what I do. So I agreed with them and I met a number of amazing people along the way. We offered a number. You're like interviewing your future boss. Yeah. I love it. You're like, so tell me how you can help me. <laughs> <laughs> I get to pick. What, what, what better situation is that? That's great. And we offered, I think, two or three people the job and we got rejected two or three times. And we had a change of leadership. Our CEO left. We had a new CEO come in. She offered somebody the job, somebody from her past. He rejected her. And then she looked, she invited me out to lunch one day and she said, I want you to be my people officer. I want you to have that job because you've been doing this job for three years and I have no reason not to give you the job. So will you take it? And that was a month before the pandemic happened. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so it's literally like, what have I gotten myself into now? <laughs> but oh my God, I will crazy. say that it was probably the best thing that it could have happened to me, but also to starboard because I had developed the trust of the HR team over the years. I had a team that was galvanized behind me and that was so critical when the pandemic hit in the cruise industry yeah oh like we shut down we stopped business we furloughed um probably 60 percent of the organization we had mass layoffs um i had union complexity to deal with through that we had no intranet at the time we stood up an intranet in 48 hours um, we started doing town halls. We just, we really just went after transparency, honesty, respect, empathy. We just leaned into our values, which by the way, we had just designed. Oh my God. <laughs> so it was all this like serendipitous sort of luck that happened. Yeah. Um, and I knew before, you know, I, I knew during the pandemic that I would need to do something after that because it was such a hard emotional time for me. I was gonna say it must have been so emotionally draining. It was imagine. exhausting, but I like I just, just me having to be like, so you know, you went into this job, but they decided like they're not going to use a staff, staffing agency anymore. You know, yeah. so we can't keep like that's rough. So I can't even imagine like yeah, yeah, you know, 
Yeah, it was very, it was a huge company. It was very, very difficult. And, but I, I committed to seeing it through. And the promise I made to myself was that I would get this business up and running before I leave. Um, because that for me was the, um, the right thing to do. I, I have high integrity and I just don't want to, I'm not going to kick a man when he's down ever. So I stayed with Starboard and got the business back up and running until we had 48 ships on the water. Um, Starboard has a total of probably 70, 70 to 72 ships. So I got a little over halfway um, before I responded to a call that I got for the position that I'm in now. Um, But I mention it because I just think it's really important for people to think about the the decisions you make along the way and how they uh, how they influence how how they how what it means for your character and your reputation and that was incredibly important to me that my reputation wasn't soiled along the way so I stayed for uh, to get the 48 ships on the water and then I actually recruited someone while I knew I was leaving so you knew that they like you wanted them to slip right in slip right in so that it doesn't feel um like the, this like gap. you're leaving them high and dry, yeah. Correct. So I recruited um, a uh, head of talent for Starboard and um, brought him in as a temp because we needed help. <laughs> Quote, unquote, temp. And then when I went to resign to my CEO, which was the most emotional day of my life, because um, I loved her. She was a fabulous CEO. Um, and she still is a fabulous CEO. Um, I was able to say to her, but you have this person here. So I'm leaving, but you've got somebody here to pick up. And by the way, the person that she had originally offered the job to that had rejected her when she first got there, then accepted the job. So she ended up getting her first pick. Anyways. Her first candidate back Correct. there, yeah. Correct, so I, I think it was sort of a meant to be situation because I don't know if he would have had the same success during the pandemic that I had back to the trust that I had developed with the employees. That you had developed over the three years. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So. It's so funny how that works out. Yep. And then, so you left Starboard. I left Starboard. Oh my God, Justine, that was the scariest thing I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, I'd been with LVMH for what, like, uh, thir- 12 or 13 years. When I left, like that, that's, that's a comfortable place to be. You know, I was yeah. always, um, you know, uh, had, I always had high, you know, grades in my annual reviews. I was, uh, you know, I was on this, you know, consecutive growth path. I was doing well. I was successful. Mm-hmm. And I got this call from a recruiter that um, was representing Air Wellness, which is a startup in the cannabis industry. And I just thought to myself, wow, (laughs) (laughs) I like to design, I like to build, I like white canvases. So what's more undeveloped than that industry? And what's got more potential for the future than that industry Um, in terms of growth and, and, and what could be? And so I took a leap of faith. Um, I called... I called my entire network 
Um, and that's something that I think is important to mention is mining your network and nurturing your network is incredibly important. And there are different people in your network for different reasons. There are people that are there to um, give you tough love and tell you as it is. There are people that are there to help, um, you know, help you through tough times. There are people that are there to help you make critical decisions. Your dad was one of those for me with Air Wellness. Like I had him like sit with the financials and like help me understand, is this like a kiss of death move? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember calling yeah. him. I'm like, David, is this career suicide? And my network really helped me. My former um, chief people officer at Louis Vuitton helped me. One of them, actually two of the consultants that uh, supported me at Starboard helped me. Um, just my network helped me make this decision and, and I think that that's so important um, to consider when you're, you're considering a major life move like that. You're, I, I, like I was saying in the beginning, I think every single person that I've talked to, the, the biggest piece of advice that we always basically end the podcast with is either be a nice person and do the extra work and, and remember that or network and really keep your connections with people and make sure that you keep yes. that network because you never know when they're going to come around and when they're going to help or when they can be and, and useful to you sounds manipulative right but yeah but it's not you know it's just having people in your network that, that can think of you for certain things or that you can think of for certain things or can help That's, you know today yeah. I was struggling yeah. today I was struggling with something because again we're a startup we have nothing and I was trying to figure <laughs> out how to how to think about something from a budgeting standpoint and so I texted my former CFO, who is now the CFO at Tiffany and Company, and he's thinking about it for me. And he's, he and I have a call in probably the next couple of days, it's not scheduled yet, for us to just kind of riff and kind of figure out like, how do I think about this? And, and, and that's what I'm saying. You yeah. can, then your network can be used in a variety of different ways and it's so critical to nurture it and, and keep in touch with it at all times. Yeah, and I think it's important to also have people that aren't necessarily in the same company as you or in the same industry as you. Critical. Or, you know, just people in completely different areas. Yeah. Critical. So have completely different points of view. It's sure. critical. And, and you know, um, I'm, I've always been, but even more so, I would say, in the last few years, um, big on diversity and equity and inclusion. And, and, and for me, that's broader than skin color. That's diversity of thought diversity of experience. Um, and so that's very important as well. Your, your point there is very well taken that it, it's not, you know, I shouldn't only be hanging out with people in weed. <laughs> yeah, and that's not, I mean, even if you were, it's not a negative thing, but I yeah. think it's so nice to be able to get different points of view and, and to know that you have people in your network that you can call who are like, well, I'm looking at this completely differently than somebody in this industry would look at it. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> so I joined Air Wellness on November 8th and so we are a uh, we're a multi-state operator so we're called an MSO um, which means that we are um, you know we're the cannabis industry we're in eight states today and growing um, literally <laughs> um, we are a vertical business in every state. So what that means is because of um, you know, the lack of federal law, because of the lack of safe banking um, you know, authorization, we have to grow, produce, manufacture, and sell everything in every state. 
So we can't cross state state lines with our product. The logistics of that. Oh, oh it is so fun. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds fun. No, no, it sounds exciting. Yeah. And the other thing I yeah. think that's really interesting about the industry is that it is this industry that's made up of industries. So the industry was started by essentially people that grow weed. That, you know, that's a very specific personality. That's a very specific motivational, you know, you know, the, the motivation behind that is very, very unique. But then you've got people that came out of the finance industry, Wall Street particularly, that, you know, have been funding the industry. And then you have people that have come out of retail, like me, who are trying to operationalize the industry. <laughs> And then you've Let's got streamline this, you guys. <laughs> correct. And then you've got people out of CB, CPG, consumer packaged goods, that are trying to brand the industry. And each of those constituents have very different needs and motivations. And so that's what yeah. makes it really interesting because I'll tell you right now, you know, we're we're designing things and we have to design for each of those personality types. And we've got to find like what's the middle ground that's gonna work and, and it's gonna work for everyone. Um, yeah. so it's very unique in that way. And the other thing is nothing exists, you know, it's still, it so fun though. it's super startup. <laughs> so, sounds so fun. It, is, it is absolutely a, a, a blast and, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get to the point now where I'm trying to figure out like, okay, what does it take to be successful in this industry? And like, what are the competencies of leaders and employees? And I think I mentioned to you earlier that, you know, I've realized that we need to be elite athletes in this industry, yeah. you know, because we are moving so fast. We don't know when things are going to get, you know, federally regulated and approved. Like, we don't know. We simply don't know. But what yeah. we do know is we need to be ready. So, so there's just that constant, like, need for, well, that you need to be able to, to completely change whatever you're doing at the drop of a hat. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And you know, the other thing is it, it's happening at a state. It's not only happening at a state level, it's happening at a city level. So, you know, if I, you know, I have, I visited some dispensaries a couple months ago and from one city to the neighboring city, how we operationalize with the, with our product in the store is different because it's the the operations the how we how we track our inventory how what we're allowed okay. to put on the floor versus what we're not allowed to put on the floor it differs by city not by state oh wow so. <laughs> i didn't know that oh my god keeping track of that and the constant changes of that must be yep intense it's, it's super it's super interesting and then you've got the situations where you've got a state that is medical only but they're okay. getting ready to flip on for adult use um, which means recreational and that changes everything again. And, yeah. and that's happening. Like the, it's happening more and more States that's are so flipping cool. on. So it's, it's, it's super interesting. So today I have a team of 35, um, okay. pretty large team. They're spread yeah. all over the country. Um, I have an awesome team and, um, you know, but we are a company that's made up through acquisition. So, you know, we've got, um, unique challenges that come with that. And, um, and we're still trying to build out some of our specialist capabilities. So, you know, cause we do, we just don't have it yet. So lots of fun. Wow. <laughs> lots of fun. So this is the latest, latest and greatest. This is the latest and greatest. And, <laughs> um, like I said, I'm loving it. It is the, probably the most intense thing I'll ever do in my life. 
Um, and I think other than being a mom to three thespians, yeah. Other than being a mom to three <laughs> thespians, who is so funny, they're like, so do we get to come to take your child to work day anymore? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I don't think so. Not anymore. Not until you're 21. <laughs> Go with your dad. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Go build things. Exactly. Go, go use a different creative muscle. <laughs> exactly. All right. That was awesome. Okay. So last little bit that I like to kind of close out the episode with is um, any advice you'd want to give somebody who wants to go into HR specifically as a question for you. And then any, any advice for somebody who wouldn't know what they want to do with their career. Cause I feel like as an HR, you meet a lot of people and you get to talk to a lot of people and you help place people in the correct roles and everything else. So I think, probably have a lot of experience with helping people navigate their yeah questions I guess I think people that don't know what to do with their career I would tell them explore get out there and explore meet people go to networking events that's literally how I (laughs) (laughs) that's literally how I did it I went to a networking event and I met the owner of iCreative Stephen Cohen and you know that's how I got into this but get out there network um, meet people um, explore, no job too big, too small, try it all, um, and figure out what you love, you know, like, if I were to go back on, on my life, and, and had I ended up in graphic design, I would have been so tortured, because I would have just, you know, for me, I, that's a lot of sitting and staring at a computer, and, and that's great, and that, that's a wonderful job, but it's not for me. I need to spend time talking to people and, and you know, I, I, I love learning about people, as I've said before. And connecting, yeah. <clears throat> so I would say that's my advice for people trying to figure out what to do with their career. And then people that are, um, you know, looking for a career in HR, I, I think my advice isn't that different. Explore, try different things in HR. Um, there's many different fields in HR. There's recruiting, there's rewards, there's engagement, there's training, there's lots of different things you can do. So explore as much as you can. Um, and always remember progress, not perfection. Um, I am a big believer in, um, you know, just keep moving forward, just drive and just, you know, look in the windshield, don't look in the rearview mirror, keep going forward. Um, and, um, and always, always, always have empathy because in HR, it's important in, in leadership, forget about HR in leadership. It's important to recognize that the person in front of you is a whole person. Mm. What, what they bring to work is just a portion of them. Um, people are complex, they're whole there. There's lots to it and take time to get to know your people and understand what drives them, what motivates them, what's going on that could be impacting or influencing them, and you're gonna get more out of them if you do it. That's great. Thank you. Cool, thank you so much for coming on. Stop the- This has been so fun, thank you. (laughs) 